0: You're listening to the grind. Well-caffeinated conversations with disc golfers who are passionate about improving their games and helping others to do the same. Welcome to episode 16 of the Grind, a disc golf podcast. I'm Josiah. With me, my good buddy David. We're gonna talk some disc golf. How's it going, guys? But first, gotta tell you about the episode. We have a pro tip from the one and only Eric Oakley. We're gonna talk about Hey, what do you keep in your bag besides discs? And we are going to review the Infinite Discs Scepter. But first, David, what are you sipping on? How was your week? Hey, we're sipping on some
1: birdie fuel coffee today. It's called Road Trip, and it's in support of Tina and Eric Oakley. Shout out to both Tina and Eric. Um, it's a Guatemala light roast, single origin. I was trying to figure out what region it's from. It's from, it says the Sierra Madres is vulc- in, the, in a volcanic region, but it doesn't have the specific region on here that I know. I tried looking it up to see if I could figure it out, but I couldn't. But uh, it reminds me of one of my, I was telling Josiah before, it reminds me of the first light roast coffee that got me into light roast because I was solely a dark roast, medium roast guy when I was first introduced to coffee. And then I had a Guatemala Antigua coffee from Panache Coffee Roasters in um, Portland, Oregon. And they're a traditional style roaster as well. And that was the very first coffee. I was like, oh my gosh, light roast can be pretty unique. They can have some pretty interesting flavor profiles to them. And so it was one of the first times that I just really started enjoying the taste and realizing that. And that's I think that's why to this day Guatemala, typically my favorite region, is the Tanaga region in Guatemala. Um, and that typically is why I always lean towards Guatemala for one of my, uh, everyday cups is I think that first memory of light roast, it really just triggers for me and really brings it home. So this definitely is reminiscent of that. And that's, this is something that
0: I would enjoy drinking every single day of my life. Yeah. Guatemalas in general, I feel like have a nice balanced, like they've got some interest to them, but they're not too exciting. And I feel like this is a very nice balanced cup. And I think fairly clean on the palate. Yeah, it is pretty clean. Yeah. No, I, I'm enjoying it for sure. I feel like it's probably the, my favorite of the birdie Fuel roasts that we've gotten so far. For sure.
1: What I love about the Guatemala is it's just that classic. Like you kind of get that chocolatey, earthy, like may, maybe some nuttiness going on. Sometimes they'll have a little appleiness or whatnot, that acidity. But really, it's just... Gives you that classic whatever you that classic what you expect in a cup of coffee with having more of that in the lighter form is going to have more of that clean taste along with it. And so it's just not offensive to anybody. Anybody can take a sip and enjoy it.
0: Yeah, I think that once again, somebody who maybe loves the French roast may feel like this is weak. Yeah, but I don't think it's weak. I think it's just more subtle and and I think it's cleaner. And yeah, I enjoyed it big thanks to uh, Birdie Fuel and we like Tina and Eric Oakley and we like their coffee. You guys should order some from birdiefuelcoffee.com. Support Birdie Fuel, support Tina and Eric. How was your week? How was your disc golf week?
1: Disc golf week was fairly good. I kind of I didn't play a whole lot at the beginning of the week. I think I played Um, man, I can't even hardly remember last week. And I think I played one round on
0: Sunday and I think I texted you and said, I think I'm getting worse at disc golf. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I had also played one round on Saturday and was like, great. We're in the same boat. Yeah. It was one of
1: those rounds that just felt like I was falling apart, um, and couldn't do anything right. Uh, but then I ended up playing two rounds as well with Micah, um, salt wash behind my house. It's just a little nine hole course back there that we've talked about. And, I love that because it brings back the simplicity of disc golf. You're just trying to control a disc through the trees with not putting that much power on it. And so it's just a fun, fun little course. Got to play the two rounds there. And then later in the week, I played one round at Snooks, I think yesterday, and then I played nine holes today at Watson. And really this week, I wouldn't say that I was at the top of my game. I'm not feeling... Yeah, I wouldn't say that I'm feeling at the top of my game, but I'm feeling... Like I'm learning a lot. I feel like I'm just really thinking about what I want to do with the disc, whether it is a backhanded shot, an upshot, forehand, whatever it is. I've been working on some uh, little flex turnovers with different discs in my bag with a forehand as well, because I'm trying to think of how I want to approach different shots at Delta. We I my next tournament's Delta, it's in about a month now. Yeah, month about and a, month. a week. Yeah. Um, so I'm just really starting to think about what I want to do and so and I'm also just recently tossed the Berg in my bag. So I'm really messing around with it and seeing wh- how I want to approach using the disc and what when I'm going to go to it. So I feel like this week was really just a big learning week for me. Not necessarily... I think I didn't keep track of my scores any round except for Salt Wash. We're always trying to go nine down at Salt Wash and it's easy to keep track. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, really, uh, um,
0: yeah, just a learning week for me. It was, it was a good week. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, like I said, I... Played terribly on Saturday, probably my worst round in a long time. But I also like, I don't know, it, it, one of those rounds that, like nothing goes right and lost a couple discs, including my probably my favorite disc in the bag, uh, my no, my most beaten up Onyx. That was just so stupid straight for a ten speed disc. Yeah, so it was, it was. It's not my favorite round in terms of my play, but it's, it was nice weather. It's been a little windy on and off here. So some days it's hard to want to get out when it's like 20 mile an hour wind and or 30. Uh, and then I played, I think that's, I played that. And then I played Palisade. I played a few holes with you and John actually bumped up into you at Watson at lunch on Wednesday, Mon- Monday? Wednesday, Monday, Monday. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. I played around on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, you got a lot more disc golf in than I did. So that was fun. Played. I just brought Envy's and a Zone and just was working on putter a putter round, played nine holes quickly with John and David, and then played a few holes at Palisade. I've got a tournament in Palisade this, uh, end of this month, and so played about nine holes with uh, – had my two kids along, and that was nice. It was nice weather. I had some really terrible putts and some really great drives and kind of a mixed bag overall, but I started to feel like, oh, my skills are coming back up. And yeah, I also was trying to choose to define my my round by my good shots and not my bad shots and maybe we'll get into more of that later, but but yeah, good week overall. I I feel like I've been also experimenting and messing around really since our last tournament and it's time for me to start trying to build up that consistency again and simplify my game a little bit because you know, we got a couple of tournaments. I've got a couple of tournaments coming up. You've got a tournament coming up. And so trying to flip that switch and also just get back into putting practice and that sort of thing. We've got a lot of new fresh seedlings and little plants in the ground in my, in our tiny backyard, and so I can't putt back there easily without killing something. So got to f- re- rework the putting setup. Maybe I'll do it in the garage or something. But, But, yeah, no, good week for sure. You want to get into a pro tip? Let's do it. I don't even have to introduce it. We'll have Eric Oakley introduce it himself.
2: What is good, everyone? Eric Oakley of Infinite Discs. I'm here to bring you a pro tip with the Grind Disc Golf Podcast. So what I wish I would have known before I really started getting out and playing and touring was that not everything is going to happen right away. You're going to shoot really good rounds, but it's not always going to happen, and I kept thinking and expecting things to be, you know, when I shot a thousand rated round, I kept thinking all of that was that I'm just going to shoot thousand rated rounds now, but it's a part of the process and you have to keep learning. So it's being patient and understanding that the game comes with time and you get better week in, week out. And every time you go out to throw, it is an opportunity to learn. Every round you play is an opportunity to learn, whether it's good or whether it's bad. When it's good, you ride it, and you try and tap into that going forward. When it's bad, you try and eliminate the mistakes going forward so you can continue to bring, as I like to say, your your ground floor up higher and raise your ceiling even more. So lower your expectations. Enjoy the ride. It's all worth it. Thank you, everybody. Cheers.
0: And thanks, Eric, for sending that in. We really appreciate you. David, what did you think?
1: He's a fantastic communicator.
0: Oh, for sure. The way that he
1: communicates with intention and excitement and joy is uh, infectious. I think he would be an incredible coach or teacher or whatever it might be. But the content, uh, I love the content. I think it's as we've continued to grow as players, it's easy to think of yourself at your peak as where you, I guess you see yourself or you want to be. Like when you think about driving, I was telling my telling my wife the other day, Like, I think of myself as like, I, I know I've hit 400 feet before with my forehand. I know I've hit 400 feet before with my backhand. And so I start to think of myself as like, oh, I can hit 400, I can throw 400 feet. And in reality, yeah, I can every once in a while, but that's not necessarily, my bread and butter is more that 350 to 360 range with both my backhand and my forehand. And uh, if I think of it in terms of that, it's a little more sobering, and it also helps me build my game plan a little bit better. And so I feel like it's easy. I guess that's almost more of a metaphor within the disc golf, but uh, uh, with with using disc golf. But uh, um, yeah, I feel like it's easier to it's easy to get ourselves, um, especially like for for me being very very competitive at times. <laughs> um, I at times <laughs> at times I'll see my best score and think that like okay. Like now, like that's where, that's where I want to be. That's where I should be. And when I'm not there, I start beating myself up. Um, And I think the more that I get outside of like not defining myself, not necessarily by my scores or whatever it might be, or my skills, whatever it may be, I enjoy the game more. And I feel like by enjoying the game more, I get better because I'm just enjoying learning those skills or honing those skills. And I think it's kind of sobering. I think it's not necessarily to toss everything out. Cause yeah, celebrate. We should celebrate and we should be excited about um, throwing 400 feet. We should be excited about getting thousand rated rounds um, because they are stepping stones. But I, I love what he said that that's not, it's not going to define you all of a sudden. That's not who you are. Um, and I love the fact that, yeah, you're going to go out and have rounds that are incredible rounds. And you're going to go out and have rounds that like, why am I playing disc golf today? <laughs> uh, it's just part of the process. And I love that. There's the human, the human aspect to it. I mean, sometimes when we're in our relationships, we're like, I'm the greatest friend ever. <laughs> and then other times it's like, I'm the worst friend
0: ever. It's just part of the human dilemma. Yeah, I like that. I got a question for you, David. When you've kind of slowly, you were just talking about, hey, I played a lot of rounds and didn't score them this week. I was really working on some stuff. Do you feel like you're having more fun in disc golf in the last, you know, months when you've given the like your best score a little bit of back burner to like building your game do you think you're having fun more fun on average i'd say i'm having more fun on
1: average i'd say i still enjoy having rounds that i'm trying to especially at watson I i enjoy having rounds like okay i'm gonna go for my best score today because i'm feeling really good and the um, holes are all in their shortest the, positions. yeah and the holes <laughs> and when the holes are all in their shortest positions I can't think of the last time in the past, I think I haven't kept score for about a month, uh, at least on UDISC. Just because I've been really just working on different shots and trying to really trying to hone different skills. And I think that's been really exciting for me because I feel like I'm actually starting to get better at different skills that before I I had a period to where I thought like, okay, I'm I'm pretty decent at the forehand it's gonna take a lot to work on getting good at the backhand to work on these other shots. Do I really wanna put energy there or do well, I you, want-
0: You're giving up score, so, right? Yeah, I'm definitely- Because having a less reliable yes, shot. Yep,
1: I'm definitely giving up score in, uh, in order to work on my shots. And uh, I'm having, I would say that I'm, I think in, in general, I'm having more fun because I'm, it's just fun to come up with, with, to learn a new shot, learn a new skill and see it when you do see that positive outcome. Like the energy I put in, like- talking about an Anheuser with my backhand, I was working with my wife on uh, throwing some Anheuser lines of normally I would just go up and throw a firebird and right. it's forehand, forehand and yeah, it's going to do what I want it to do and showing her, Hey, here I can put the buzz on an Anheuser here and showing her with her relay, putting it on an Anheuser, and it'll um, work. And she's not used to throwing those shots as well. And so it's kind of work enjoyable talking through those things together. And now I feel really good, I feel like I have a genuine concept of throwing a backhanded anhyzer in my head. I can go up and I know the release point. My body just does the work. And it's simple in my head now. While before, it felt like I'm trying to rip my body every which direction to try to get the disc to go on an anhyzer. (laughs) And it was almost comical and frustrating. And so that wasn't necessarily fun to me. But when you start seeing some growth I guess. It gets exciting and it you feel like oh my gosh, this is actually a skill I can get good at I think.
0: You're almost like instead of having a goal of you know, the only goal being like winning a tournament or having a rating or getting your best sc- score on a course, you end up with like micro goals of like hey, I want to show I want to throw this shot well today. Mm-hmm. Or and, and if it takes me you know, the whole round or the whole time in the field to figure it out like okay, but I had that one good Anheuser shot, you know. <laughs> I I also
1: think of it in terms of like I kind of want to like at some point just pull out that Anheuser shot when I know all my friends they're just like oh David's gonna throw a forehand and just pull out the Anheuser shot and throw it just park it or ace it whatever it might be if I was, and so all my friends just look at me like what the heck
2: just happened
0: if i was throwing after you i don't think i'd be able to throw well because i'd just be my mind would be blown and be like, <laughs> like david had, had a backhand shot on a hole that went right <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i i really appreciate this from eric and i think it's just you know so uh real and so helpful you know i was thinking about two last year and I had my big slump, and you almost, it's very hard to enjoy disc golf when you're playing worse than you know you can, but the reality is we all are like that, because we almost, we're going to have peaks and valleys, but most of the time, after a peak, you're going to have some kind of plateau or valley, like it's just normal, and so to be able to appreciate that, yes, the peak shows you your potential. It shows you what you can do when your game's working, so you know, you throwing 13 down at Watson, me throwing 14 down at Watson, you know, whatever that, is that it? I think that is it. It is it. I mean, soon to be 15, soon to be Yeah, 15. I'm about to be 15 down. For, right. for David. <laughs> but, when they move to short positions. <laughs> and there's no wind, <laughs> And there's a few mulligans involved, who knows? <laughs> but it shows you your potential. I mean, that's, a for both of us, you know, it's 19 holes, so we get an extra bonus hole there. But for both of us, that's an insane score on any course, even an open course, but it shows you, I think we should look at that as like, yeah, that's how good I can be within my current set. with, if I increase my consistency. So I think it is good to look at that that way. But then I think it's also good, like you were saying to say, yeah, I can throw that well sometimes, but I'm not going to like evaluate myself poorly when I don't meet that every time. I mean, Paul McBeth went 18 down on two tournament rounds. If he goes 17 down and wins a tournament, he probably is beating himself up a little bit because he's Paul Macbeth. But I don't think you should be. you know. And I don't think that, that we should be, especially as amateurs. There's a certain degree to which no one plays at their peak all the time. And growth is not linear. And I think that's the part that I really love about this whole concept is like, when you're playing poorly, you're still learning. You're still growing. You're still getting better if you and i think it's a lot about if you're learning from your mistakes if you are trying to to learn hey i threw it this way maybe after the round thinking hey what did what happened there how can i fix it and then when you're playing well he said like hey you just ride that and i i really appreciate that for sure and i'm going to pull a david and say i think this is just true of life as well like we're not the people we want to be you're talking about as a friend you know it could be as a spouse or you know as a son daughter whatever it is you Life, in life, you if you look at a day-to-day, like I hope I'm a better person tomorrow than I am today and I'm going to work at that. But I have to evaluate it over the long run because I have terrible days. I'm a terrible person a lot of days, you know, and, and I don't think that it's good to to define ourselves by any momentary, you know, hey, I shanked to drive. If you just go and tell yourself... I'm terrible to backhand drive because I shanked that one. The chances are you're not gonna sh- you're not gonna throw the next one beautifully. You're and so there is a certain degree you have to evaluate over the long run. And I think you have to, you know, give yourself a little bit of, of grace, give yourself a little bit of breathing room, and say, yeah, I'm not the perfect disc golfer, but I can throw a backhand drive better than that. I'm gonna do it the next hole and then move on. Yeah,
1: I think just as you continue to grow as a player, grow as a human, just knowing your strengths and weaknesses. And knowing your mistakes. Because I one thing I've talked about before is with my backhand, sometimes I'll start flying open early with my uh, right shoulder, my lead shoulder. And when I'm flying open early, it throws off all of my balance. So I'm going from getting my max distance to probably taking about 70 to 80 feet off of my drive because I'm flying open early. And as opposed to getting frustrated and upset about that, you narrow in on those things that, okay, when this is happening, this is what I'm doing. And so you can oftentimes fix things sooner than later. And as opposed to having those bad habits continue to carry on, being able to identify those, talk about those things with friends and whatnot allows you to, and the same thing in life, you go back to the same thing. Oftentimes we're habitual creatures, but, uh, knowing your mistakes and knowing your weaknesses allows you to kind of continue to grow as a player.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I think that, I hope I say this really cleverly right now, but I think that identifying your mistakes and not having your identity in your mistakes. Yes, yeah. I feel like if you can do that, you are going to improve from playing poorly. Yep. And I think that it's so often that we naturally do the opposite, where we don't really we don't really focus on the solution to the mistake instead we just berate ourselves and we just say oh you you piece of junk you can't make a 15 footer well maybe there's a there's a physical reason more often i think there's a mental reason of just hey i wasn't that focused or you know whatever it is i i didn't commit to the putt you know okay i'm going to try to commit more or i'm going to try to focus more on the next hole or the next round or the next tournament and then you move on and i think when i was in my slump last year and i mean playing terribly for me like maybe average five to ten strokes worse than i would be at my like peak uh meaning like a peak season of time and you know i didn't birdie at all at the delta tournament uh last year you're talking about a hole that's just every almost every almost every hole you should have a chance at a birdie. you won't make them all but you have a chance at them and i think for me a lot of it was I could identify the mistakes, but it was very hard to not also feel like my identity as a disc golfer was chipping away because I was losing confidence in my ability to make shots, make putts, and just even had this thought of, what if I never play better than I did six months ago? What if I never get to that again? What if that was just like this, maybe that wasn't really me, maybe that was just this weird momentary uh, window of time where everything was clicking, but there's no way to get back there. And working through those thoughts, and you realize, like, well, I have a decision to make. I can either identify with me at my peak and say, yeah, that's who I am as a disc golfer, and I want to improve on that. And I realize I'm not always going to be there. I'm not going to judge myself harshly by that. Or I'm going to identify myself with can't make a birdie on a you know a, a birdie or die course. And I think for me, it really was like going back to the basics, uh, both from a, a mental and strategic side, as well as a physical side, throwing more putters, getting back to throwing more backhands, uh, getting back to uh, trusting my putt and, and committing to the putt. And I think those things, over time, I got out of the slump and I had my best round ever at Watson. And, you know, I've won a tournament and. PGGA thinks I won another tournament. We all know that lost in a playoff, but who who needs to (laughs) know? But I do think it is this matter of life and disc golf is is a struggle with elation, a struggle and elation. And I think being able to understand that that is the rhythm and in the struggle, know that you're going to have better times ahead. And in the elation, know there's going to be harder times ahead and therefore cherish both.
1: I think the whole identity thing in, uh, in your mistakes
0: is pure gold, what you said. Well, I, I was really hoping <laughs> it'd come out cleverly, so <laughs> I'm glad it did.
1: I immediately thought of, I always jump into, I've, everything in disc golf, again, I feel like so easily comes back to life, but I mean, I immediately think about my first year of marriage with my wife. I, I had this ideal perspective in my head that I was going to be this perfect husband as a lot of us do, I just think of myself as this fantastic human that does everything right. And that wasn't the case. You realize that when two humans are living in one household together. Sometimes you're not going to be the best version of yourself. And uh I know Rachel I really thought she was going to be a better person. <laughs> so <Just kidding. laughs> There were times to where I would lose my mind, say some really stupid stuff, and I would literally end up on the floor in the fetal position just crying, so upset that I am this terrible, terrible human being because of these things that I said. And so buried in this identity of myself as this mistake or what I said, that I'm not giving myself enough kindness and grace to actually be a good husband moving forward with my wife. And I realized for me personally, in order to be in a healthy relationship with myself and my wife, I had to move on from those things. I can't identify in those things because yeah, I'm going to make mistakes. But part of making those mistakes is owning them and being able to move on. Identifying in those things just continues to hurt the relationship when you're continuing to sit in those things. Um, And that's something that I really had to learn. And it's something, same thing in disc golf. So you can't, Get upset about those. If you're having that same mistake, know your mistakes, know your weaknesses, and move on. And that's and you can learn and grow from them. So that's huge.
0: And the great thing about disc golf, as opposed to relationships, is unless you're hitting a card <laughs> mate with a disc or like chewing somebody out on the course, like if you, it's really only you and the trees that you have to work through. So you have to apologize to some trees for shanking the drive right into them. <laughs> a little bit easier. But it's a little bit easier, uh, and I do appreciate takes less it. humility. <laughs> And I don't think that you will find another disc golf podcast where a grown man will talk about crying in the fetal position. <laughs> <laughs> so, so thank you for that, David. We are.
1: Oh man. <laughs>
0: oh man. I really Getting appreciate that. all
1: it. over here guys.
0: Well, if, if you hate that part of the podcast, there's a little skip forward 30 seconds. You can just wait anytime <laughs> David starts talking about life or I start talking about like, life. Oh, not again. <laughs> if 30 seconds isn't enough, you can <laughs> hit it one more time. We do occasionally talk about disc golf too. Speaking of disc golf, I think we'll take a big change of direction. I just want to talk about hey, for somebody who's just getting started, or maybe somebody who's looking to get a gift for somebody, or you're just trying to figure out how can I spend more money on disc golf? <laughs> what are some things that you keep in your bag, David? I'll talk about some stuff for me besides Frisbees. Yeah. I've had a few things at times. Uh, right now, I have a Golden Retriever in my bag. And that is a 60-pound dog, long-haired. <laughs> David's bag is fairly large, so uh, it works. A Golden Retriever. Is, who makes the Golden Retriever? I think it's Dynamic Disc.
1: Dynamic Disc. Um, I actually had two of them. I lost one of them because the Golden Retriever is like it's a little golden disk retriever that has a long string attached to it. I lost one of them throwing it into the creek trying to get it and <laughs> I didn't realize I didn't I wasn't holding on to the string and so it kind of went into the creek.
0: There's some lessons here but as well. I,
1: I got another one from a tournament so I have I still have one in my bag. I love having something in my bag that I can retrieve. So we have a lot of creeks around on the courses we play. So it's nice to have something that can grab the disk Easily enough, steep, that's close. Steep to the banks
0: shore. and creeks, so yeah. it's not easy to just to get in there. There
1: was one time with the golden retriever that I thought maybe I saw a reflection of my brother's disc, and so I just kind of threw it out there, shot in the dark, and started pulling in, and I actually pulled it in, and I was so pumped. So yeah, sometimes that, you get lucky too. I
0: feel like you've gotten your technique down too. Yeah. It, it is a little it takes a little
1: technique for sure.
0: It's definitely a more of a finesse. Uh, retriever option, but it works pretty well for you.
1: Yep. And I also currently have a uh, Bushnell in my bag as well. I think Josiah got one before me and I had been seeing the pros. Use I'm bushy. So, and it's, I didn't realize how much I would use it. I think primarily at the beginning, I wanted to find out how far I was throwing the disc. It was the easiest way to, um, I, if I'm throwing in a field, I can set my bag up and have something to shoot, uh, shoot, That bushnell with with the laser, but I also use my bushnell for. See, circle one is thirty three feet, and so in a tournament or if I'm playing with friends, I use my bushnell to check to see if I can do a little step
0: putt. It's the nerdiest thing. Yeah
1: because I really enjoy doing the step putt. It was fun. I, uh, one of the guys I played on a card with a few times, he was stoked that I had in my back because he goes to the step putt a lot. And he always, in the tournament, he said, he's like, sometimes I'm afraid people are going to think that I'm in the circle, even though I know I'm out of the circle. So it's nice to know for sure that I'm doing a legal step putt in a tournament. And so you don't really, usually in a tournament, I'll I'll check it with the bush And then I'll let people, hey, I, I I got 36 feet on the bush now. Are you guys okay if I do a step putt? just to let people know that. And it just makes it a lot easier. It's not, you don't feel the tension of having to ask people. And so a lot easier. I love having it in the bag. Um, Let's see. Normally I have a a whale sack, but in our last two tournaments ago at the Palisade tournament, it got snagged on one of those uh, um, Russian olives. And halfway through the tournament, I was feeling... Uh, like stuff falling into my back. I was like, what's going, what's in my, like, What what's in my back? It was actually all the um stuff coming out of the whale sack so, into my back.
0: And this is no judgment on the whale sack. If you ever come to Colorado and you want to see a non-native invasive species that is from the pits of hell, it is a Russian olive. The thorns are like three inches long and there are many, many of them. If you get your disc in a Russian olive, it's like a tree that's also a bush. If you get your disc in a Russian olive, you're going to be bleeding from several places and have holes in your clothing or gear. So it's certainly no uh, judgment on uh, Tina and Eric and their beautiful whale sacks.
1: And I have two more things in my bag. I typically carry a mini in my bag. Um, Usually if we're playing casual rounds, I don't really use my mini. If we're doing some practice for tournament rounds, that's when I start pulling out my mini. And then I also obviously use my mini in tournaments as well. Um, But, and last but not least, I have an end of a towel in my bag. I like the end of a towel because it kind of has a loop thing to where you can strap it to the bag. And then it just hangs from the bag. And it's kind of like a squeegee towel, I guess. I don't know, something like that. Love having a towel in the back because, again, we have a lot of creeks around. We typically need it, especially sometimes we'll end up walking in the creeks. So being able to dry off our feet too, not just the discs, is important.
0: We are average at disc golf, and there's an above average uh, number of flowing rivers and creeks through our courses. So it, it leads to some wet rounds for sure. Yeah, I carry a lot of the same stuff. I do carry a mini and a, an extra mini. I just usually have the extra mini in my bag because I have space for it. And usually in a tournament, somebody will come and ask for it. Ryan Wilking, the last two tournaments, has forgotten a mini. So <laughs> he may be a professional, Ryan. but he's, I am the professional disc golf packer. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. I've got uh, Whale Sack as well. We, we have really dry conditions here. And so I... Don't usually need it that often, but when we play in the summer, I think especially if you have like a tournament during the day and it, your it's hands get super sweaty, sweaty it's so yeah. nice to have. Yeah. And then I think also when you have, when you play in the bit of the wet, but I like the whale sack. I tie it nice and loosely to my bag, it, it matches my bag colors. So you get a lot of patterns and options. And shout out to Tina Oakley and her whale sacks. I carry a few towels usually, depending on how, what the weather looks like. I'll have one to, three or four but my favorite disc golf towel is not actually a disc golf towel it's an msr pack towel and i think that's spelled p-a-c-k-t-o-w-l and i really like it because it's got if you it's a pack towel personal which is very important because if you get the lux it will collect all the things from the forests deserts and hills but the personal it's uh kind of like a chamois but it doesn't collect anything and it's got a nice uh, clip to it as well it's got like a a um, like a nylon uh button tie i don't know what you call it but clips on the bag nicely and they're durable i really enjoy them uh what else sharpies for when a buddy has a new disc and hasn't written their name on it or... i used to have one in my bag and i haven't and just has been the
1: go-to for that lately. Yeah. <laughs> uh
0: usually you throw a pencil in there but Thankfully, we haven't been taking many uh, paper scorecards lately. Now, what we have the PDGA app. I really enjoy that side of it. I like paper scorecards; they're fine. But what else? I got a disc retriever. I've got the Reaper retriever, which I really like. Everything except for the grabber element of it. And I don't. I think it could be improved a little bit. I think it's a great retriever. It's strong. It's long. It. Feels like it's it's lasted it's held up really well. I haven't had any issues with it at all, and it is really nice because you've got it has like 14 feet of reach or 12 feet of reach or something. And so I do really enjoy it. It grabs discs well, but I think it could be better. Part of it is we are always reaching at these really steep banks. Banks, you really need to like lift the disc up, and I think it does a much better job of snagging a disc from underwater and bring it to the shore than it does bringing it from the shore to six feet up, uh, to where you are, but it's a good retriever and Reaper disc retriever is what that one's called. What else? I'll have to look at my bag. Oh, I like a sanding block. I don't use it very often, but whenever you get a really big gash in your disc or a big ding, it's nice to quickly be able to sand that off and not have that, especially on my putting putters. I occasionally use it. I probably only break it out like once every, you know, three months on the course but i'll also use it before a tournament round or before a round when i want to just hey when i got something weird on my disc and i want to remove that so i don't have to think about it yeah i carry a lot of stuff in my bag but that's pretty typical of me i'm like the the mama's boy on his first day of school when it comes to disc golf in life we know that if we need something on the course josiah probably has it yeah no that is true and that's been the case when i went backpacking with my brother's a lot growing up, and it'd always be like, why is my backpack so heavy at the beginning of the trip? And then they'd be like, hey, did anybody bring a lighter? I was like, oh, I did. And Did anybody bring any rope? No, no, no. Oh, I did. You know, I was like, oh, now I understand. <laughs> did anybody bring any more food? Oh, yeah, I have extra. So that is my life, and I'm fine with it. That's part of being the godfather of our little disc golf community. You have to provide for your people. <laughs> but, yeah, I think in general what I'd recommend – if you're going to bring the mini, I feel like it's just good to get right used to. I don't use it all the time, but I do use it a lot. I think a towel and I think a Sharpie is really nice to have. And then some kind of grip enhancer. There's a lot of them out there. I really like the whale sack and I really like how it ties on the bag nicely. We don't need them a lot here, but when I do, it's really nice to have. And those are, I think the, The big ones. I I do have my PDGA rule book shoved in the bag. I don't ever break it out. Just in case you need to pull it out and start reading it to somebody. Yeah, I'd be like, hey, this is totally legal. I can have three mulligans, see? (laughs) And as long as I don't actually read it with you, you're fine. (laughs) Three mulligans for that guy, but none for his card. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, that's mostly what we keep in our bags. And if you can think of anything that we need to be keeping in our bags that we don't, let us know. Water is huge for us. We live in the desert. It gets hot, especially in the summer. So I usually will bring a hydro flask or two, depending on the weather. Uh, some kind of water bottle like the hydro flask because it keeps the water cold for longer. Uh, but any of those double-walled uh, water bottles will do. My bag will actually hold a water bladder in it, but I just haven't messed with it. I have one. I might try it. Well, if we play any of these, like... I mean, it's one of these August tournaments. It might be necessary. Yeah, definitely
1: having a water bottle during tournament season, and then also uh, uh, during tournaments, I'll toss. I'll usually have about like three protein bars or something in my bag, just because, obviously, half the time you end up sitting at holes, and you're like, man, I need to have something right now, otherwise, I'm gonna get hangry here pretty soon.
0: <laughs> yeah, you nobody needs you to be hangry on their card. Yeah, yeah tournament season i usually will have some snacks as well during the regular round it'll only be if i'm like skipping a meal or something i'll remember but the good thing is usually tournament season because once again i bring too many i put them in my bag and then i just have like an old stale granola bar i can break out if necessary like two months later yeah for sure yeah but that's mostly it occasionally i'll have a, a disc an extra disc to try or a disc for one of my kids kids snacks are important when you have kid rounds so Uh, that's mostly it we've never tried carts before we just have bags but i imagine if you had a cart you could carry any even more i have to sometimes go through my bag and remove a bunch of stuff because i'm like this is way too heavy and i need to take some discs and random assortment of items out in order to lighten it up a bit anyway it's good enough for me you want to get into a disc review let's do it it's time for the what was that disc review this one is sponsored by 1010 Discs. We are big fans of 1010 Discs. Been ordering from them for a while. David's ordered from them twice in the last like, two weeks. <laughs> in the weeks. last two weeks. Like John, and
1: then John also put in another order for putters this week.
0: Yeah. I, well, they have good prices. They have
1: free shipping. Yeah, I think this week they're doing on Discmania putters. That's why John ordered. I think they were doing like buy five, get one free or something. Oh, that's cool. On Discmania putters. So John got a bunch of
0: logics. Yeah, John has been killing it with the logic lately. So, yeah, so they're a good website. We really appreciate them. They take great pictures of every disc as well. David just got his Berg in or his Berg's in from 1010. So pretty. And they were really pretty in the picture, and they're even prettier in real life. Yeah. So big thanks to 1010 for sponsoring this disc review. This week, we have the Infinite Disc Scepter, nine-speed, four-glide, zero-turn, and three-fade, fairway-driver, utility disc, and it's an interesting one and i this is one that i'm very curious what you think about david yeah
1: i actually i didn't get to throw it much more this week i actually the scepter is one i started using some in ogden because i had to borrow josiah's scepter because i lost my flat top firebird and it was what was the closest thing that josiah had for me to because i rely on my flat top firebirds so much and uh With Josiah's, when he handed it to me first, I felt like it's a little bit more, even a little bit more overstable than my flat top firebird. Um, But the one that I lost, I had beat in so much to where it was still very overstable, but it also, I can, it wasn't as overstable as getting out of the bag. Now that I have my backup uh, flat top firebird in the bag, it actually reminds me of that brand new feel of the flat top firebird. It's, it's just a meat hook. It comes out of your hand and you feel like, okay, it's holding straight briefly, but then bam, it's hooking. Um, and that's on the forehand with me ripping it. And I love that. I mean, this is, if you guys saw the video of, uh, um, us at Ogden on the Instagram feed, um, I was actually throwing Josiah's, uh, scepter because I had yeah, lost that was my
0: whole 16, uh, which is the playoff hole where Conrad won worlds.
1: Yeah. And so I actually I was throwing a forehand Spike Kaiser at the basket, and it 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 played so perfectly, it, it it does exactly for me what a flat top what I would expect a brand new flat top firebird to do.
0: So David missed the island with his shot, but but the, but the scepter was like, you know what? I'm gonna put it in reverse <laughs> and back up into yeah. the island. <laughs> and this, that's the thing that I
1: love about I mean the flat I. I I feel like I can use them interchangeably. I think I wouldn't be upset to not have flat top firebirds in my bag. If I was bagging a scepter, I think I could go back and forth and be just fine with it. Um, I think because of the name, the flat top firebird, I'm stuck on it mentally because that's, that's who I've committed myself to (laughs) as far as the disc goes.
0: You're a very Uh, committed person. I'm a very, I'm a
1: very committed person. But uh, I definitely feel like this is an interchangeable disc for me. Um, and I actually, I mean, you have a really pretty scepter. I, I haven't found as many pretty flat-top firebirds.
0: Well, that's the thing I think I really appreciate about the scepter is a flat-top firebird is like, I think they do a second process to it, and so you can occasionally find a really flat firebird, but most of them come out with a little bit of dome these days, and so it is hard to find it. And the scepter in all the plastics that I've tried, I know that the eye blend sometimes has a little bit of dome to it. I've held a G blend and it was flat. I uh, eye blend I haven't tried yet, but the swirly S blend that we have and the uh, metal flake glow and the regular color glow all are like board flat on the top. Mm-hmm. Very similar feel to a Firebird, they're both made by in- Innova, so I don't know. If how much difference there is, I the scepter is probably f- even flatter than either of your flat top firebirds. I mean, it's I think visually, yes. Oh, yeah, looking at it definitely is flatter. And so, I it's nice because it's easily, it's much more easy to find one. Yeah. And I think they come in cooler plastics. I, I think the the swirly S blend is super nice, it's kind of like a star, uh, just a normal kind of swirly star. And then, metal flake glow is M- metal flake color glow probably my favorite plastic made by any of the Innova line maybe one of my favorite plastics of all time um, so i really i really enjoy the scepter it is a meat hook it when you the fresh one this one's kind of worked in too the one you're trying the fresh one is just i mean it's stupid overstable especially in that um, metal flake glow or color glow it's but it's it's it seasons to just really 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 overstable and not just like completely stupid overstable but it's still a utility disc for me. I can put it on a big flex and know it's always going to come out of it. I like it for forehand rollers, I like it for overhand shots. That's what I used in Ogden on that Sweet Thummer oh, was see. the Scepter. And so I do think it is just that great classic nine speed utility disc. I don't think you could go wrong with a Scepter and Eric Oakley has a Swirly Scepter as one of his uh, infinite discs, one of his runs at infinite disc. We had that one. And I kind of thought that was almost like a flat top Sexton Firebird for me. Like it had a little bit less of uh, the like crazy overstability. It was a little bit more workable. I don't know how much you got to throw that one, but I felt like it was a little bit more workable. Closer to my 21 Sexton Firebird than my Metal Flake Glow Scepter, but still like really flat.
1: For sure. Yeah, I didn't get to throw it as much this week. I actually kept forgetting to bring him out with me.
0: David, uh, you're fired. (laughs) Yeah. We are taking uh, just a quick interruption to let you know we have an opening on the podcast, (laughs) co-host. You need to be able to bring up a lot of metaphors and you need to get really real and emotional regularly and you have to be able to throw ridiculous forehands to compliment my backhand, but there is an opening that doesn't pay well. (laughs) But ironically, we are bringing
1: on, I'm going to be gone in a couple of weeks, so we're going to have uh, Ryan come on the show, I think, for a couple of weeks with Josiah, which we're super pumped about bringing him back on the show.
0: Yeah, Ryan Wilking will join us, and we will have a pro on the show. He'll probably ruin it for me. I'll be like, I don't actually have anything to talk about. You? How about you just talk, but I, I we'll suck, begin. I suck. Just tell me what to do. <laughs> How can I pro 500 feet? I, <laughs> I listened to the last podcast, and it didn't work for me. <laughs> But yeah, it's a good disc. I like the feel of it. It feels extremely similar to a flat top firebird for me. It feels the same in the hand, yeah. I don't really notice any difference um, besides that you can get them flat off the shelf. Yeah. I I think it's a great utility disc. I think, I think that the Streamline, which is an MVP brand, has the Flare, which I've thrown, which is similarly flat topped, at least the ones I've thrown, and similarly overstable. I think there are other options out there but I I really like the scepter. I think
1: one one reason why I would almost recommend the scepter over the flat top firebird for people looking for to try it out is, I mean, you mentioned just uh, accessibility. Um, so oftentimes I know when I lost my first flat top firebird, I was looking on quite a few websites just to try to find I w- one. I was as well. <laughs> and it was, I think there was maybe two at the time that had some in stock, but that was also during kind of Mid pandemic. Co- pandemic, but still, it's, it's not. To, it's not an easy yeah. disc to find. But knowing that you always can go back and find uh, scepters will be in stock somewhere is nice. So
0: yeah, no, I like it a lot, and I think it's a great utility disc. I would say it's not a disc that I would give a brand new beginner, but I'd say anybody can put it in their bag as utility disc. There's sometimes it's super helpful to have something stupid over stable. And so David just showed me an update. Our buddy Ryan Wilking is playing the 303 Open right now. You'll be listening to this podcast well after the tournament is over, but he's two down through two, so shout out to Ryan Wilking. But it is just an incredibly um, reliable, overstable disc, and you can kind of layer them between iBlend, blend. -Blend, get the Eric Oakley version, support Eric, uh, the Metal Flake, and Metal Flake Glow, Color Glow. There's a lot of options, and so... Even in that crazy overstable category, if you are an overstable flat-top connoisseur, there's some options for you. So I'm a big fan. I am really tempted to put a Swirly S blend in my bag and kick the Sexton Firebird out. It's sometimes in and out just to have one less mold. Uh, but, you know, Nate Sexton is pretty cool too, So, and those discs are nice. But anyway, I, I'd recommend it to anybody. You want to get into scores, David? Let's do it. So our rating system is, David and I combined, we'll each score it one to five. And summer scores to ten. One is it's just not that great of a disc. Two is it's an okay disc, but there's better options out there. Three is a, it's a good disc, but it doesn't stand out. Four is it's fantastic, but it's not making my bag. And five is it's going in the bag. So David, what's your score?
1: I'm gonna go 4.5. I think it's not obviously not necessarily going in the bag, but it's pretty comparable to something I have in my bag, um, if not the same disc. I love it, man. It's something that it's going to be reliable. Uh, you can put it out on those spike heisers or do some skip shots with it. Do those. Uh, I love uh, with my flat top fiber specifically, and I know you can do it this as well Is getting out. We have some really tall reeds on one of the holes at our courses and being able to have something that you can just kind of throw up and it pans out and kind of makes yep. its way to the, I, yep. I love that shot.
0: Yeah. A nice uh, touch uh, utility yeah, shot. There. Nice
1: touch utility shot. So it's something you could really mess with and create some like fun little shots with. Um, I think it's just something like this disc is something that I would recommend for. Just, I think it's something that I'd recommend to everybody to have something like it in their bag. It's just something that you can create unique shots with, and it's that's valuable.
0: And if you're David, you can use it on every other hole and and stupid and <laughs> put and be stupid reliable with it and annoy your friends because you can say, "Hey, I want it to skip on this one," or "Hey, I want it to." Hop up and go backwards, back in <laughs> Jump bounds. <backwards>, yeah.
1: <laughs> I do love when you get it on that Spy Kaiser and it just sticks in the ground and then it does this little flip thing. And I just, I love that.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going to give it a five. It's a great disc and it's just a great option out there to have a reliably available disc that's very similar to a flat top Firebird or a Flare. And I think it's just as good or better than the, as those discs. I, I've had it in the bag for a while. I love that Metal Flake Glow Plastic, and so that's one of the things that drew me to it, and I'm, I'm enjoying it. I think I may put a swirly S-Blend in the bag as well just to mess around with, but hey, it's a fantastic disc. Get one, go support Eric Oakley, and enjoy it. Thanks again to 1010 Ten Discs for sponsoring this disc review. David, we're almost done with the episode, but just for fun. You know, disc golf is supposed to be fun. We were building our dream disc golfer. We're stealing pros' attributes. And so you gave our, you know, cyborg pro, whatever it is, <laughs> you gave uh, circle one putting. You said Paige Pierce. I said Paul Macbeth. All right, let's go. We're going to do two. Let's do circle two putting and backhand upshots. So, how about circle two putting? What are you going to go with? I'm going to go with Um I mean, I
1: I feel like between him and Eagle and McMahon, they're some of the best circle two putters. Uh, but for this one, I'm definitely going to go with uh, Waisaki.
0: Yeah, I'd be tempted to put our buddy Ryan Wilking in because I feel like he's like a 90% putter from 45 to 60. <laughs> it's annoying. It's frustrating. <laughs> but I'm going to take Waisaki, you know. Just so that everybody, somebody everybody knows. I mean, you're gonna know Wilking eventually, but just so everybody knows uh, somebody. And then, I I mean, I think Waisaki he's just stupid good at those circle two putts. And I feel like he's got ebbs and flows, but when he's on, it's like anything within like 80 feet is like, everybody expects it to go in and he certainly does too, and it works. So I think Palmer Pest C1, Ricky Waisaki C2, I think my putting will be set. What about backhand upshots?
1: Back, I'm going with uh, Conrad. Backhand oh,
0: I shots. like that. Yeah. I like that. Well, that means being he able can to
1: control the putter, like hands down, uh, Conrad any day.
0: Yeah. Well, Conrad with an MV seems to do okay with backhand upshots. There's He's okay. maybe an important shot that he one time threw at some big event. I can't remember. Yeah. With an MV, I'm gonna go Simon Lazat. I oh, think it's Simon's le- under most underrated skill. He is. When he does all his ace runs at these little courses, that's his backhand upshot game. Mm-hmm. His like little nose up Anheuser that pans it's and it's crazy goes, consistent. It's incredible. Crazy consistent. It's incredible. And I honestly think that it's his best attribute, and I think it's the one that he doesn't get as much credit for. But insane.
1: It's funny because when I think of Simon Lazat, that's one of the shots I think of him the most is are those upshot anti shots. Well maybe it's backhand. not
0: maybe it's not overrated, but I think and every talk about Simon, everybody says like big big shots whether it's big heisers and all the simon lines and stuff but i think his like if i if i had to pick wide open in the woods whatever if i had to pick somebody to throw a backhand up shot i'm probably i mean you got conrad so he might throw it in and and simon's got like a 50 50 shot of throwing it in so yeah. i
1: think i saw one tournament with lazat where he threw one in and then there was another one that he almost threw in with the same type of any backhand shot so ever since i i just think of him as
0: I think of those shots when I think of those shots. Yeah. Well, I'm getting a little jealous of our theoretical disc golfers here, but <laughs> that's it for this week. Thank you guys for listening. Do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review or you can do worse if you really want to with a comment on Apple Podcasts or you can leave us five stars on Spotify. That would really help the show, helps people find it, help, helps us either be encouraged or know to, what to work on or some of both. Um, if you just hop on your phone right now, I'm not an Apple person, but David is trying to make me one. Uh, So just open up your iPhone. I think that's what it's called, right? Is that what that Apple Sun is called? (laughs) And leave us a review. Thanks for listening. And whether it's coffee or disc golf, this week, don't forget to enjoy the grind.